0: Hello and welcome to the Spring Break edition of Joshin' Around. Not gonna do anything fun. Instead, what that means for me is that the people I pay to take care of my kids have taken my money, but they won't be taking my kids, at least not until next week. So, we're gonna get on with the show, but I might have a few more interruptions. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna reminisce back to a time sb 2 k the OG, when I was on vacation. Oh, spring break when you're in college. Make the most of it, kids. Yeah, me and my two best friends, we drove out to Panama City Beach. People were renting scooters. We were just hanging out by the shores of the Gulf. You know, a little bit trashy there in PCB, but you get what you pay for, and we didn't pay too much. We packed into a two-bed motel. Oh, two bedrooms? No, no, no. Two beds. Three of us. Somebody got the floor. I think by the end we were going foot to toe because, hey, we invented a new drink. We called it the PD. Ask me later, maybe after a few drinks or segments what it stands for, I might give up the goods. As for now, oh, a delicious time had by all, but you know, that was 18 years ago. And now, I'm here blowing noses, wiping butts, some of which are mine. Hey, I will though make the most of it when we get on today. I want to talk about tropical drinks, MTV, and executive function. Hey, thanks for playing along at home. Here we go. Let's start joshing around. When did spring break as we know it begin? According to the New York Times, it was 1958 when an English professor at Michigan State, Glendon Swartout, overheard his students talking about an Easter break trip to Fort Lauderdale and decided to tag along. There he witnessed pool hopping, beach cruising, and girls playing house with boys from other colleges, and he raced home to write a book titled Unholy Spring. Hollywood executives, being who they are, though, persuaded him to change the title of the book to Where the Boys Are, and the result was a blockbuster book and a movie that followed. Now, this movie made Spring Break take off. The crowds of Fort Lauderdale increased from 20,000 to 50,000 in just one year, and that was before the mid-80s when MTV truly made Spring Break take off. Girls, get ready to go wild. Spring Break aside, I did want to talk today about Executive Function, if only because it's Monday. Executive Functions are a set of cognitive processes necessary for selecting and successfully monitoring behaviors that facilitate the attainment of chosen goals. Goals are important because they're where we're going, or at least where we hope to be. I don't want to see you spend every day just waking up, eating, going to the bathroom, and then falling asleep again, though I'm sure those activities will play a huge part in our each and every day. Instead, the executive system is thought to be heavily involved in novel situations that are outside of our automatic psychological processes, like blinking, breathing, or a toot every now and again think planning or decision-making, troubleshooting or dangerous activities, anything that requires you to overcome a habitual response, right? So if you have trouble staying on a diet, you need to improve your executive functioning. The good news is executive functions gradually develop and change across the lifespan of an individual and can be improved at any time over the course of a person's life. Now, These are the last mental functions to reach maturity, and this is why it's so expensive to have teenagers insured. The good news is, Once you reach adulthood, from 20 to 29, executive functioning skills are at their peak, which allows people at this age to participate in some of the most challenging mental tasks in the world. I say it's also because those people in their 20s don't have kids tugging at their heels and older parents who are being dragged down the opposite end of the neurological spectrum. That's right. Because once you reach your 70s, it all goes to pot. So Keep your executive functions strong now, and maybe I'll see you in the C-suite. Whew, I need a drink after all that. The drink we made famous on Panama City Beach during SB2K was called the Pump Down. This particular blend of liquid panty remover was Myers dark rum, orange juice, cranberry juice, and a dash of something I hadn't quite figured out. I tried my first sip, turned to my friend, and said, this is missing something, to which he replied, I don't know maybe an umbrella. Now he wasn't wrong, but it turns out the missing ingredient was Coco Lopez, which they now serve in a resealable plastic bottle. So no longer do you need a tin can and a church key just to enjoy a pina colada. Do you like pina coladas? I do too. The only problem with them, the blenders make the damn beach bar too loud. Invented by Ramon Lopez Irizarry, an agricultural professor at the University of Puerto Rico, Coco Lopez is made by mixing sugarcane sugar with coconut cream. Coco Lopez was the base for the invention of the tropical drink, the piña colada, which is now the national drink of Puerto Rico. Although Coco Lopez's packaging describes it as cream of coconut, it cannot be used as a substitute for coconut cream in Thai or other southeastern Asian cuisines because Coco Lopez is sweetened specifically for piña coladas. Now it would seem as good a time as ever to go into the history of the cocktail umbrella. But amazingly, I can't find a definitive source on the matter. And unlike CNN or my high school humanities teacher, Miss Grover, I don't want to spew a bunch of misinformation. So instead, I'll say it appears the cocktail umbrella arrived on the bar scene as early as 1932, though it's debated whether it arrived first at Trader Vic's in San Francisco or rather at Don the Beachcombers in Hollywood, California. Don the Beachcomber was a Polynesian-style bar serving rum cocktails and wonderfully exotic cuisine that was really just standard Cantonese dishes served with flair. It said the first poo-poo platter was served at Don the Beachcomber, and for that, hats off to you, Don. Back to the cocktail umbrella, They say that there's a sleeve or a scroll of folded paper under the collar or base of the cocktail umbrella, and that this is made from recycled newspaper from either China, India, or Japan. And that's how you know the country of origin of your cocktail umbrella. So the next time you get a drink with an umbrella in it, why don't you unroll the scroll, peruse the news, and enjoy your drink. I was born in 1979, and I watched a lot of television growing up. So everything I know about Spring Break, I learned from MTV. MTV began its annual Spring Break coverage in 1986, setting up temporary operations in Daytona Beach, Florida for a week in March, broadcasting live for eight hours every day. Now I'm from just south of Daytona Beach, so this presented in my mind, even as a kid, the real possibility that I may one day end up at an MTV Spring Break party. The channel's coverage featured numerous live performances from artists and bands on location at the beach and various beach house pool sides up and down the coast. They also brought down their VJs like Duff. So in addition to learning about Spring Break, I was also learning to fall for a short-haired girl in overalls. I learned some other things about Spring Break. Namely, foam parties are gross. If you're gonna buy drinks by the yard, you should have Tums on hand. And didn't learn this from MTV, but instead watching other people in Panama City, a great pickup line for the beach, Go up to a group of girls or guys, splash around a little bit, and then say, Hey, baby, come here. I saw it work too many times to note, and I wish you the best with it as well. And with that, I better button it before I give any more knowledge to those folks in their 20s at the height of their executive functioning powers. Instead, let's put up a cocktail umbrella on this episode. Looks like I've got an Indian newspaper to read before I holler out, Hey, baby, come here for another episode of Josh and Around.